either. Say something, or, or give me a sign. I won't even, won't even say anything. Just, I want to know if you're okay. special guest jasmine petty host of dance it out a gray's anatomy's podcast and she is also a writer jasmine thanks for joining us today thanks for having me happy to be here so uh before we begin today's discussion on stranger things 4 can you just uh tell everybody a little bit about yourself and uh why a host of a gray's anatomy podcast <laughs> has joined me today to talk stranger things for sure um, so like you said, uh, I'm a podcaster, I'm a writer, uh, I work in communications, that's my day job. Um, uh, and I'm here because I saw the, the call on Twitter and uh, I think like a lot of other people, I so I'd actually never seen Stranger Things before, before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd actually, the way I got into it was I, uh, I saw the movie Free Guy and I loved that movie. And I walked out of the theater and I was like, I need to see those actors in a million more things. And so I Googled what those actors had been in. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. That one guy's in Stranger Things. And I was talking to a friend and I'd never seen it. And I was like, do you think I'd like it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I think you'd really like it. So my friend and I binge watched, she'd already seen it. We binge watched like all three seasons during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got super, super into it. And um, yeah, I'm just super excited for uh, for season four, and I saw the call out on Twitter. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I'm here today. Good. So just so you know, I mean, I'm open to admit this. Hopefully, I'm get, throwing away my pride. When we put that out, had no idea that anyone would like answer the call, but we're glad that you did, and I'm also glad to know that you are a late bloomer like I was yeah. for Stranger Things because. I didn't start watching it until like late 2018 around Halloween with and uh with some college friends because they're like you know Ashley you gotta watch the show I think you'd really like it and started watching season two and I was like wow this is really good where have I been what have I been (laughs) doing not watching this and so I'm really that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to with season four is this will be well this will be my second season watching it in like real time because mm. I watched season three uh, the day it premiered and but I never watched like any of the trailers or anything like the promos for season three so this is all like brand new for me you know and that's like that's why I'm not really in a, a tizzy over the marketing stuff because I really have nothing to compare the experience to. <laughs> 
Yeah, I love the marketing stuff. Um, but I mean, I, like I said, I do marketing communications for work. So I'm the kind of person who analyzes that stuff and, and um, really gets into it. Um, but yeah, this will be my first season uh, watching live, so to speak, or like seeing it kind of come up, uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, so my friend that I watched with, so she, I think, I think the first season was already out. And so she, like, she saw that after it came out and I think she saw seasons two and three when they dropped, I think. Um, and so she said that was kind of different for her as well. Cause like, she was, you know, she was so into the show. She loved it so much. And then she's like, yeah, it's been like three years. It's been like two or three years since, since season three came out. Yeah. Yeah. Me and, uh, when my friends were talking about when, uh, they announced the release date, I was like, you know, Emily, it's been like the last time I watched Stranger Things, like a new season, I had acne and I was still in college. And <laughs> and she was like, yeah, the last time I watched it, you know, I was single, had no prospects, and now I'm married. It's like, wow. Yeah, so much, so much time has gone by. And she, my friend was saying, she was like, oh, like, like, you're lucky, like, you don't have to, because at that point it had been announced it was coming out in 2022 uh-huh um yeah because i think we watched it last year finished watching it last year i think yeah so um yeah so she she's like yeah you're lucky like you only have to wait till next year like the rest of us thought we were getting this like in 2021 we thought like you know there was a press yeah. tour and it was going to come out and everything's gonna be great and then covid happened it's been like three years um and the other funny thing is that she so i was having a reaction to things that she'd gone through like several years prior because we finished watching season one and I was like oh my god Barb like justice for Barb and she's like yes. I was really upset about Barb like five years ago but I've had time to mourn and I'm like oh my god I know like Barb that always oh. gets me every time it's like she, they didn't even give her a chance I know I know like, what an episode or a half episode and a half I mean she and then she was gone like okay yeah yeah but, and I think it was good for Nancy. I don't, I think if, if Barb hadn't died, Nancy would not become the Nancy Wheeler that we know and love. So I guess maybe it was a good thing. Yeah. I feel like narratively it was a good thing, but I, I still really, I'm still really sad about Barb. Yeah. So I want to ask you a few questions real quick before we get into season four. Because, I mean, I know that you're new and all to Stranger Things, but I think, you know, you've watched, you've watched the seasons, so why not? Yeah. So, what's your favorite Stranger Things episode? Okay, this was actually a really hard one. So, all the other questions, like, we talked about, mm -hmm. I, I was like, okay, right off the bat, I'm like, I know exactly what I want to say. And this one, I had to put a lot of, like, time and thought into because like I felt like you were gonna ask me that, and so I had to put so much time and thought into it. Um, but I, what I came down on was um, this season one, episode three, uh, Holly Jolly. Mm -hmm. I think is is my all time favorite um, for a few reasons. Uh, you have Joyce talking to the Christmas lights, which is just iconic, and so it's like a like it's a beautiful scene. Like it's kind of crazy, but it's also really beautiful. Um, you have some great Steve and Nancy scenes, and I really love their relationship. Um, so I loved those scenes with them. Uh, you have Eleven exploring the Wheeler's house. 
um, which, which is like something I love about season one is that you kind of have Eleven coming to understand how you know the other half lived, right? That like yeah. her upbringing wasn't normal, and I mean this is obviously an extreme example, but I think we all go through that at some point as you get older. Like you think everyone lives the way you live, and then you go to like a friend's house or something, and you're like, oh, other people live live differently. Um, so I felt like that was kind of like an extreme extension of that. So I love that. Um, and then you just kind of have in that episode, really, that that realization by Hopper, and he's he's one of my favorite characters, that something really is amiss and that Joyce might be onto something. There's that switch of like, this yeah. isn't just a, a grieving mom, like she's onto something here. And you can tell that he like he feels bad and he's like, okay, there's something wrong. I got to figure out what's going on. Um, and obviously at that point they have no idea how deep this goes. I mean, we still don't know how deep this goes. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of the start of that. Uh, so yeah, it was a really tough pick because they're all so good. But that's 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 I if I had to pick, I'd say that's my favorite. Yeah, I really like um the weirdo on Maple Street. Mm. Uh, because you know, that one's where we we learn a little bit more about Eleven. Uh, in the lab and I think this is also the one where Mike uh, is like if he, you know if anyone comes here tell him I've left the country I think that's <laughs> and I love that every time because <laughs> Mrs. Wheeler's just like what <laughs> she and, and it's like Karen Wheeler like has absolutely <laughs> no idea what's going on with her children like her oldest children it's just Mm -hmm. it's mind-boggling like I think she loves her children but it's like they could be dead (laughs) in another dimension she doesn't even know about and and she's like on the phone for two hours with like the PTA or something you know like she was in season three you know yeah I feel like my take on the wheelers at this point is that like I think the wheelers love their children I think Ted is legitimately oblivious Whereas Karen, yeah. I think, sees what she wants to see, you know? Yeah. Um, and not necessarily in a bad way. I mean, like, a big pop point of season one is that, you know, she wants to realize that Nancy's lying to her. And she's, you know, she realized that, you know, she's, that she's had sex with Steve. And, like, you know, and, and she's all caught up with that. Um, so, like, I mean, when she wants to pay attention, like, she's a smart woman. When she wants to pay attention to something, she, like, you know, she's all over it. But I think that she kind of sees what she wants to see. I mean, nobody wants to believe that there's something is really wrong with your town. Nobody wants to believe that your children's friends are dead. Like nobody wants to really believe that. So that's that's kind of where I think I think that's that's kind of my take on her is that like yeah she's she loves her children but she's she sees what she wants to see. Yeah, that's that's one things in the trailer mm. that with Karen and Holly it's like not that I want anything bad to happen to him but it's like now it seems to be coming to their house like they can't avoid any of this any longer like it's coming to them now Mm -hmm. and so that was one thing I know that a lot of Stranger Things fans over the years have been like you know when are they gonna not be oblivious (laughs) to what's actually going on you know yeah no, I agree. And I think, I think especially like Karen Wheeler in particular, because I mean, you could say that about every parent on the show, but 
I mean, like Mike and Nancy are legitimately hiding people in the house. Yeah. Like, and honestly, I have to say, so one of the, my hopes for this season, for season four, is that we have some kind of scene with Holly where it like either through something subtle or, you know, she just kind of comes out and says it after, you know, being freaked out by whatever the thing is attacking them. And we find out she's known the whole time. Yeah. I would love that. Me too. I think it would be a really good uh, plot twist there. Like, yeah, (laughs) I tried to tell you. Or like, because we see at the end, because I was wondering this at the end of season three, because at the, the fair, when they all get on the Ferris wheel, like Holly points and she's like, hey, look, the trees are moving to her mom and dad. Yeah. And like, oh, look at the fireworks, look at the fireworks. She's like, but the trees are moving. And so I could see a twist where like, you know, the assumption so far in the series is that like Holly is kind of like her dad and that like she, you know, she she's a good kid, but like oblivious and just kind of, you know, she's a baby, she's a toddler, she's not really, you know. Yeah. I always thought that with Holly it was either like one or two things like hers was a reference to Firestarter Mm -hmm. or there's something more there but that's just an inner theory that I have um I don't think she's a number or anything like that but I just I think she knows I, I wouldn't be surprised if she knows more than she's saying I yeah. just feel like she, she, like, I, I could see it being like, she's clued into, like, she doesn't know exactly what's going on, but she has an idea, but she's kept, she has kept quiet because, like, to be a good sibling kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But then, like, after they get attacked, she's like, what is going on? Like, yeah. But I have, I have heard um, a theory that mm-hmm. Holly is adopted mm-hmm. because, you know, she came along so much later than Mike and Nancy and she doesn't she's blonde she doesn't really favor them which I mean I was blonde at that age yeah you you just that's just how the body works but I mean it's not a bad theory I mean it's I mean I I was like I never really thought of that before but she could be Are you still there? Yeah, the it, you froze for a minute. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like my internet. I don't know why the internet is in and out this morning. So mm-hmm. I apologize about that. Okay, so you were saying the last thing I heard was you were saying that um, that uh, that Holly is is blonde. Yeah, and um, I was saying like you know it's a good theory. I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, about her being adopted yeah but it's a good theory yeah it, it's a good theory and I, I do feel like kind of I mean this was kind of hinted at the trailer but I do feel like she will become a more full-fledged character this season mm-hmm. because we kind of saw that with Erica right where she was in the background you know only had a few lines like season one or two and then she became a more full-fledged character in season three and you know as the character you know as she got older and I feel like they could do the same thing with Holly because I feel like it makes more sense for them to pull from what they have yeah you know um 
so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited about that, honestly. I mean, I, again, I don't want to see the wheelers get hurt, but at the same time, getting Karen and Holly pulled into it um, would add like another dimension, you know? Yeah. So who's your favorite character? Oh, my favorite character overall? Uh, it's got to be Steve. It's got to be Steve <laughs> Harrington. Yeah, Steve the Hair Harrington. I, um, I didn't pick him for my, for my favorite character, but he is in my top five because I love the way he's grown and matured as a character. Um, and I think he's probably the one I'm most looking forward to in season four uh, because of that character growth. Yeah, me too. I think that's one of my, my favorite things as well is I think out of everyone on the show, he's probably had the best character development. Yeah. Um, and I think a large of that is that, I mean, it's due to the actor, but also, you know, that the, you know, the Duffer brothers have said that the trajectory for that character like changed multiple times, you know, mm -hmm. or like evolved. Um, but yeah, I love his development. Um, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, I'm losing my voice one sec. Yeah. And I mean, let's get real. He's incredibly good looking and he's so fun to look at. Yes, he is. <laughs> There's that. Um, I, I think Joe Carey does an amazing job playing him. Um, I think he does a good job of like walking that line of like, um, you know, like Steve could be a little dumb at times, but his heart's in the right place. Yeah. And um, I kind of like that progression of, you know, at least this, this is how it comes across to me anyway, is that like, I think because Steve is someone who grew up, you know, he, you know, he, he talks about what an asshole his dad is and then all of his friends are assholes. That like when you grow up around those type of people, that's all you know, it feels normal, you know, to behave that way and to be that way um, for him. And then when he's, you know, he, he comes to the realization while dating Nancy that like, hey, I don't have to be like this. You know, this doesn't make any sense, you know. Um, like when the whole speech he gives to Tommy and Carol and that like over time he you know uh, you know he kind of wises up and he becomes a, a better person the person he is underneath I think because you know he starts hanging out with people that you know actually listen to him and like care what he thinks even if that thing is dumb mm -hmm. and um, yeah there's a like a, a better deeper person underneath that gets to come out um, and yeah, it's, it's just a, it's such a fine line to walk there. And he makes him so like endearing. Yeah. Um, which I think is, he does a really good job there. Um, he's so much fun to watch. And I think I also like that his scenes bring a lot of levity to the show, you mm -hmm. know? Like he's not comic relief because he's not goofy, but it's like, I'm thinking, for example, I'm thinking of that scene. I think this is, I think this is either season one or two where like, Oh yeah, it's got to be season two because it's the mind. It's the mind flare. It might be yeah, yeah. It's got to be season two where like yeah. they're all at the buyer's house uh -huh. and they're talking about the mind flare and the master race. And he's like, yeah, like the Germans. <laughs> like he means it all. He's always, like pitching his nose. And he's like, oh my god. Like what am I signed up for? Like this is. And Dustin's <sighs> like. <laughs> like what the hell <laughs> like this is who we're relying on like to guide these children yeah this is like this is the best we got like yeah <laughs> like this is the worst crew to pick um so yeah if i yeah he, he's my favorite uh, and he's just so cool like he's just yeah. he's just so cool <laughs> yeah he is um uh, 
I it took me a long time to figure out like decide on who was my favorite character but I'd have to say overall even though he's had a little bit of a rough patch but I do believe in redemption but I picked Mike because uh his season one attributes are just I love him in season one because he was willing to jump off a cliff so that Dustin wouldn't get his teeth cut out and I mean I don't really know many people who would literally do that for their friends yeah and hopefully we'll see some more of that in season four from Mike and not Mm you know, season two and Mike, uh, season two and three, Mike, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Mike's a good character as well. And I I think, like, I think for a lot of these characters, the redeeming quality is that loyalty and that sense of, like, ride or die, where, I mean, everyone says that, but like you said, how many people would actually jump, like, take the step off the cliff, take the bullet, like, I mean, they like they literally stand up like that scene at the at the at the school where they like they him and, and Lucas and Dustin like are trying to protect Elle. I mean, how many like how many eleven or twelve year olds do you know who would face with that? Who would be yeah. like you know who would stand in front of them? Um, yeah, so I feel like for all the characters, that's really a big redeeming quality. Is all right. Well, we're in this till the end. So, yeah, I, I hope so too. That would be that would be nice to see kind of a return uh, to more of those type of, of scenes and, and situations yeah. in season four. So if you could change one thing about Stranger Things, what would you change? Um, it, it's, it's kind of it's kind of one things in two. So it's <laughs> um, on a personal note. So I really hate jump scares yeah so I would probably say less jump scares although I know other people like that so that's just kind of a personal thing mm-hmm. um because I don't one of the reasons I don't watch horror movies and one of the reasons I didn't watch the show when it came out was because when people like I had a cousin who was really into it still is and when they described it to me it made it sound like super scary and more like a horror movie more like scaring people for the sake of scaring people and I was like oh that's not my thing which mm-hmm. is ironic because I love true crime uh but like same yeah oh I'm more into like the mystery of it right so then when I was I was talking to this this friend about it I was like because we watched like a lot of tv together we started like a once a week movie night Friday night tv thing during the pandemic just because we were like going stir crazy Mm -hmm. and she knows what I can and can't handle and so we were talking about she's like no like there are some jump scares but like it's more about like the mystery of figuring out what's happening yeah um and so once you described it to me that way, I was like, oh yeah, like I, I think I, I would like that. Um, so personally, less jump scares. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with things being creepy or kind of like, like a little bit of psychological horror stuff, mm-hmm. um, but not big on jump scares. Um, so, so that's just kind of a technical thing. And then if I was gonna say one of the things, um, I'd say, I'd say I'd make some of the plot points a bit more realistic. And what I mean by that is not the supernatural stuff, because that I can totally buy into. Like the effects are great. They sell me on that. Mm-hmm. What I mean is the kind of things where there's sometimes there's moments where I'm like, 
it kind of takes me out of the story a little bit. Like, for example, you were talking about the the one at the quarry where, where Mike steps off. I'm thinking about, you know, the plot with the Russians where they, you know, torture Steve and Robin. Yeah. You know, and all the times Billy almost kills Lucas. And, and the reason I say that is, like, in those scenes, or previously, they established these people are supposed to be smart, right? Or that they're supposed to be, like, they've grown up in this town or, like, you know, they have enough wherewithal to be like this is a small town there are witnesses they're smart enough to build a russian base and then they turn around and have them do something dumb like well i'm going to kill a kid in front of witnesses or these people are in sailor suits you know what's more likely they stumbled across the base or that you built under a mall or that they work for somebody um yeah so those moments kind of take me out of it a little bit because it's like, well, if they establish someone to be stupid and they do something stupid, I'm like, okay. But if they establish them to have some kind of intelligence and then they turn around and be like, eh, they're doing this very dumb thing that's going to result in death. Yeah. It, it just, it that, I, I get hung up on the logic, things like that. So that kind of takes me out of it like a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd probably tweak that a little bit. Oh, it's uh, like, you know, you mentioned about with the Russians uh, in season three, like one part that I absolutely wish they hadn't, you know, had this in for or at least for as long as it was, because uh, I don't think it's really necessary. But, you know, when uh, Steve and Robin and Dustin and Erica make it down to that room where they have the machine, like I get they're going to look to see what it is. And I understand that it would be, you know, you would be awestruck by that. But, like, uh, they waited there too long, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I just felt like if they hadn't just been, like, sitting there staring the entire time, <laughs> they probably wouldn't have gotten caught. Like, you, it's okay to look. You look, and then you, like, get the heck out of there like run <laughs> yeah. you know hide or something like and I just and that's you know that's what led to Robin and Steve being uh caught and being yeah. tortured like that you know and I just yeah. I, I kind of felt that was unnecessarily at least with the timing yeah yeah and that was also this is the other thing that bugs me about the Russian plot they never, it, they spent so much time on screen showing us those things, whatever that goo is in the little, the little green goo in the bottles. And I never explained yeah. what that is. Like, what was that? Like, <laughs> I mean, I personally think it was this nuclear agent yeah, that I just, they're using to, to operate the machine. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they never really completely addressed it. Yeah. What it's made of and you know, all that, and it's like, there's so many things that, you know, they could have, other scenes they could have taken out, rather, to, you know, put forward to explaining Yeah, some things. or just shorten those scenes, or, yeah, and like the whole, and I was talking about this with my cousin who watched the show before I had, who was like, yeah, we're talking about the Russian plot, and I was like, yeah, that wasn't my, like, I, li I like season three, but the Russian plot wasn't my favorite thing, and he was like, yeah, but the reason that's so over the top is that, you know, they're trying to pay homage to the 80s. So everything was like Nazis and, and Russians. Yeah, and I get that. It's just that, like, if you're smart enough to build a Russian base underneath the mall and buy all those properties, 
I mean, I feel like you should have a contingency plan for if some kids who work at the mall happen to get down there. I mean, you're using a freight elevator. Yeah. And I I said this to, to my friend after we finished watching that that season. I was like, well, I feel like it would have made more sense if the Russians did what the lab people did in season one, where like when Hopper broke into the lab, you know, they drugged him when he woke up. Yeah. And it looked, they made it look like he'd been on a bender. Um, I feel like it would have made more sense for them to like come up behind them, like chloroform them or something, and just have them like just you know have them wake up in the what like the back room of Scoopers Ahoy or at home yeah. or something and fake it like that. That feels like that should always be the contingency plan, especially in a small town. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> those are some things I I would have I would have changed. Yeah. Okay. So. How do you think the series as a whole, like with season five, how do you think it will end? Um, I mean, there's been a lot of speculation about this. My friend and I is kind of thinking is that, uh, this, this is kind of my thought, is that I feel like it's going to end with some kind of flash forward. Like we're going to go up to a certain point and maybe that last episode of the series is going to be mm-hmm. a flash forward where we find out like where the characters ended up. Um and possibly something like, okay, you know, we find out where they went to school, what their careers were, where they wound up, who wound up with who kind of thing. And then maybe we see the current characters like growing up and moving back to Hawkins to raise their own families and strange things start happening again. Yeah. Um, or something brings them home or, you know, you know, as the characters age, you know, someone's, you know, someone's parent is in failing health or something and they come back. Um, I feel like, and even if strange things don't happen, I feel like kind of bringing it full circle kind of a thing um is kind of the vibe I've gotten um especially because doing that like the whole show is about nostalgia so I feel like it would give them the opportunity to uh like bring in some of that terrible 90s fashion and yeah 2000s fashion and um I for one would love to see Eleven wearing a choker that's all I'm saying (laughs) I would just, I think she would, she could really sport it. I do. She would rock it. You know what I've thought about? I've thought mm-hmm. about Steve with the frosted tips, like a la in sync. No? Yes. <laughs> Can you just picture that though? No, he would, like, he's going to have good hair either way. Oh, like, oh yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I'm thinking like Lance Bass esque. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <sighs> Oh, yeah, that's my that's my personal take. What about you? Yeah, I, I think uh, I kind of think it'll, the same along those lines. Uh, I think it would I think it would make perfect sense if they did that. I kind of hope I want them to do it that way uh, because, you know, some fans out there have serious concerns about the aging of the actors. And, mm-hmm. and I think that could really take care of that. But yeah. I mean, I would just want to see them like, like you said, who they are like when they're adults, you know, if they're married, have children, you know, what they're, what are they, you know, what are their jobs and how did they go from, you know, just about like a story of their lives, really, you know, that's what I yeah. would like to, to see. I guess it's because I'm, I always look at the show more from the, uh domestic side of things I guess you'd say rather than just the sci-fi side of things yeah that's why I love um you know like the shipping and stuff (laughs) of 
you know, the canon uh, characters. <laughs> because, I mean, I guess that's just my forte. Now, I understand that's not everyone's, but I think that's one of the good things about the show is there's something, I think, for everybody to get out of it, not just one particular thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think for me, too, because I think that's what makes it that you can connect with the characters like they feel like real people mm-hmm. is, I think, like for me, what connects it because it's not just like something without that. I think just your average kind of sci fi show, I don't think would really appeal to me. Yeah. You know, because it wouldn't have enough. There's been so much done with that genre. But something I love, like the characters feel like real people, but at the same time, if you're paying attention, and I think there's a lot to catch on rewatch as well, because they're each kind of based on a particular 80s movie or TV like stereotype or like archetype, you can see, like you can see where that starts, but you can also see how it changes and evolves, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, where they the characters start when they're introduced versus, you know, how they progress, because they progress like real people, you know, they're not they're not static and yeah and I, I like the domestic side of it too and I feel like there's a lot to get invested in you get invested in the relationships and the friendships and the in the shipping um more so I think for me anyway than, than the sci-fi element but then again there are people who you know the sci-fi and the mystery element and the horror elements are you know they're their big draw so yeah, yeah I think I agree I think there's something for everybody and I I yeah I I would like to see it come full circle and I agree that I think it's a good way to address the fact that the actors are getting older and I mean it's no one's I mean not no one's fault but like COVID happened like yeah it's not something they have control over that three years passed thanks to COVID so yeah and even if it didn't happen you can't stop the aging process like they're yeah. gonna get older regardless yeah so I mean that's how aging works that's how that's how being a human works yeah I mean it's like by the time season five comes out, they, the the kid actors, will be around the age I am now. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can't stop the kids from growing up. Yeah. But I, I guess that's what um, I'm drawn to more about this show. Like with the later seasons, is I like the later seasons because they are older. I guess because I'm in, you know, my early to mid twenties. I could relate a little bit more, you know, than like in season one when they were middle school, because middle school for me was like over 10 years ago. And I, I don't remember much from those days. So, I mean, it just, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I I have to say though, I'm remembering more of my middle school days now because the nineties fashion has come back. In the 2000s. Yeah. And as my friend and I are watching stuff, we're like, oh, remember, remember the crush velour jumpsuits? Remember the, remember the, the athleisure? Remember the not, remember this? Remember the, why are bucket hats back in? Like, yeah. <laughs> so more memories are coming back to me, I think this year, because that fashion, like that 90s, early 2000s fashion mm-hmm. has come back. And I'm like, oh, this takes me back to grade six. Like, <laughs> so you want to get into season four oh yeah let's do it so uh, you want to just talk about some predictions theories that you have for the season yeah oh I have so many thoughts oh 
Um, well, the I think the biggest thing I've heard people kind of talking about is uh, the kind of the Brenner and Owen fan theories and the is Brenner only from flashbacks? Did he somehow yeah. survive? Um, I feel like the the new trailer we got did kind of clarify or Owen's uh, role a bit because oh, I have to say like <laughs> I saw a tweet where somebody was like me watching the new Stranger Things trailer thinking that I'm going to get some answers and things are going to be clarified. Me watching the trailer and realizing I now have more questions than answers. Yes. Um, I feel like that could have only clarified about two things for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, it clarified why the Buyers Plus L moved to California. Because mm-hmm. um, that was never, you know, we, we didn't really, like, I, I went back and rewatched the end of season three recently because somebody was talking about something and I didn't remember it and I'd forgotten how sad the ending of that season is. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so sad. Um, but I was watching it and I, because, you know, when we finished watching it and, and my friend was telling me, because she'd seen some of like the teaser stuff and I hadn't yet. Uh, she was like, oh, like, I think they wound up moving to California. And I was like, well, I thought they were moving to Maine because that's what Bob had talked about. Mm-hmm. We never actually, they never actually clarify on screen where they're moving to. Okay, I'm not crazy. And so the trailer clarified, okay, Owens had them move there, you know, for their safety, you know, for a fresh start. And, you know, he's, I'd seen theories that like, okay, the men in black are working for Owens or trying to help Elle. Mm-hmm. And the trailer basically clarified that, that like, yeah, they're trying to help her get her powers back. He's on their side. Um, that was about all it clarified. The rest is just gave us more questions. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested to see what you think about Brenner because I'd also seen an interesting theory where somebody was like, maybe, you know, the different, because uh, you see different like military and like government people chasing L, maybe they're from different timelines, maybe they're from different realities, maybe Brenner's alive and, you know, he's restarting the program, Owens is trying to protect her. Um, I, for me, I, I really hope that Brenner is only in flashbacks because him mm-hmm. being alive again, I just don't think I'm going to be super into that storyline. Um, whereas if it is mostly like if it is about flashbacks, I would be into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to, to know, do you think do you think Brenner's alive? Do you, what do you think? Well, I I kind of do think he's alive, but I will say that in the trailer with the reveal of Owens being the one um, who, you know, sets up this plan with Eleven to help her get her powers back to, you know, send her back to Hawkins to fight uh, the Upside Down and what we know Vecna, uh, that really threw me. I wasn't really expecting that. So I guess I was really glad to see there was some clarity on that part because I initially thought, yeah, this is Brenner, you know, capturing her to do his dirty deeds. But I do still think uh, that will happen because in the California teaser, I I just want to know how it goes from this simple meeting between Owens and Eleven in the diner and her, uh, you know, seemingly agreeing to to do this and it goes from that to this whole extreme of there's a car chase with uh between government vehicles and the police van that l is in 
and her being taken to that underground silo, which the Duffer brothers did confirm that it's a a formal, former nuclear missile site silo that she's in. And I just, I don't think that Dr. Owens is the kind of person that would do that to her. I mean, I could be wrong, but yeah. so to that extent, I, I do think we will see Brenner in present day. Now, what is his MO? I don't know. And why haven't we seen him for three seasons till now? You know, what is he up to? I, I don't know in that regard, but I also think we will see him in flashbacks, obviously, but yeah, I, I think he's alive in uh, in present day. Yeah, well, then I'm also curious about that. I was, I think the trailer only made more confusing for me is that, so, okay, we've got, you know, we've got Owens and his his men in black. Mm-hmm. And because I'd seen a good Tumblr theory where people, someone had pointed out that basically when those people have like their hands on Eleven's shoulder, um, that these people look kind of bored. They look slightly pissed off. They don't look violent. They don't look angry, mm-hmm. which you would if you were trying to kidnap somebody. Yeah. Or you saw them as a threat. Whereas these people look more like, passive like oh we're here to do a job like, mm-hmm. okay there's owens people because like she doesn't really want to go but she has to yeah they don't really want to be here but they got to do this um as opposed to the who appear to be military guys based on their uniforms who are actively trying to kidnap her and the yeah. question i have <clears throat> like i'm canadian so i mean it, it's a different thing but like <laughs> basically so like i mean this is i think true for the u.s as well i mean the military organizations like the military the cia the fbi that kind of thing are very like they're all about hierarchy they're all about rank Mm -hmm. and sort of have and since we see we know that the cia and the military were involved with hawkins lab and we Mm -hmm. see owens with soldiers at the end of season three at the mall my implication there's about case that owens works with both the military and the cia but if that's the case why is the military like coming after out? Do you mean like why do we have yeah. two branches of the same department fighting each other? Because typically you wouldn't have that. I mean, first of all, that's yeah. a big no-no for went out of the press. And also, like those organizations, you don't like you don't disobey orders, you don't yeah, you don't well, have... well typically here in the US, if there is a, a wanted fugitive, if you will, they would send in the FBI. They wouldn't mm-hmm. They wouldn't send in the military, and and that's one of yeah. the the questions I've always kind of had uh, with the government side of things of this show is, you know, it's all the Department of Energy, yeah, uh, the MPs like the military police, uh, and it's like all these agencies that in real life probably wouldn't be doing this kind of stuff, yeah. and it's like somewhere somebody in this show. A character that is has a lot of money and has you know uh given it to someone in the governmental ranks but yeah it's just uh i hope hopefully we'll get more clarity on that this season which i mean i kind of think that we will but uh yeah i mean i just I just want to know why the uh, the military is crashing into the buyer's home, trying to get yeah. what I assume is eleven, and when she's seemingly going, you know, of her own will with Owens. I just I just want to know what yeah. the connection there is. Because the house gets shot up in yeah. one trailer, but then you see them in like the public's like you know we see Jonathan 
Will and Mike kind of sitting there. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a helicopter's landing, but then a helicopter is chasing them across the desert that she's being taken again. Like it's this whole cat and mouse thing. Like, how does that? And like, like you're right. Like, I mean, you wouldn't have, I, I, I think the point we're both trying to make is like typically you would dispatch like one branch of the government, right? You don't dispatch yeah. multiple branches who do similar things over one kid. Yeah. <laughs> so, like that's a waste of resources and ammunition. Like, um, and plus, I mean, I, I think this is, is true of many places, but you know, government, especially I think organizations like that are, are very territorial, right? Like you don't step on my thing, I don't yeah. step on your thing. Um, I mean, everything is very siloed. So, I mean, the fact that these people are working together, first of all, is a bloody miracle. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, that's, kind of a thing here too I mean you're what branch you're talking about everyone's kind of got their own thing going on so yeah I I also would like to get clarity on that I'm a bit confused as to what's going on there and I mean Duffer Brothers keep saying that we're going to get answers these seasons to a lot of things so I I agree I think I think that will be part of it because they I mean just through nature of telling the story they got to clarify that somehow mm-hmm. um so yeah, I'm also uh, curious about that. Um, one of the biggest things I'd like to see this season, and I don't, as impossible as it might be, is, so I love Steve and Robin as characters. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I was heartbroken about at the end of season three was, I like a lot of fans, I, I thought that Robin was going to be Steve's new love interest. Mm-hmm. And I love their chemistry. And while like I'm super like I, I think it's great to have more representation, and I, I love Robin as a character. I just finished reading um, her like her backstory, her companion book. Uh huh. Um, I, I was kind of like heartbroken for them at the end of the season because you know you've got Steve who who was in love with Nancy, and then because of what happens with Barb, you know that that basically tears them apart, and you know they get to a place with it with their friends. And then he, you know, he falls for her. That doesn't work out because stuff beyond his control and her control. They get to a place with our friends, all good. He falls for Robin, then finds out that she's not capable of loving him back because he's not a girl. And, you know, he's really cool about it. He's very accepting. Like Mm -hmm. he, you know, I think he handled that really well. You know, he makes her laugh. Um, but, you know, poor Steve, you know, like he keeps, he keeps putting himself out there and he's really trying to be the, be a better person. And he just keeps wind up falling for, for women who, um, you know, it's, it's no one's fault, you know, um, that, that, that doesn't work out. And then you got Robin and Robin, you know, wants Tammy Thompson to look at her the way she looks at Steve, uh-huh. but Tammy Thompson's in the boys. So that doesn't work out for her either. So one thing I really want, for them is for them both to get love interests this season, like actual love interests who could love them back, mm-hmm. who are cool, who are capable of loving them back uh, and being a part of the gang. Um, that being said, Hawkins is a small town, so not a lot of dating opportunities, but but the thought I did have was, since we know it's gonna be on spring break, my thought was, okay, you know, maybe some new people have started at school that year, or it could be, you know, someone's in town if it's like their grandma or something over spring break mm-hmm. and they kind of, some sort of romance starts. Um, I mean, I feel like given the setup, it, it, it might be kind of impossible, but I'd honestly just love to see it. I want them to find love. I want them to, you know, I want them to have what everybody else has basically. Um, 
well, except for Will, but we'll get into that later. But um, he can never be happy. Oh, I know. <sighs> oh, I, have, I have so many thoughts about Will. Um, yeah. Um, uh, do you have any thoughts on, you know, characters you like to see get love interests or kind of the current relationships as they stand? Um, I don't really have any thoughts on like, you know, who could uh, find love this season. Um, but I, I really am looking forward to the long distance relationship aspect between not only uh, Mike and Eleven, but with Jonathan and Nancy. Um, I, uh, I think that Jonathan will probably take it harder than Nancy and I think that I think Mike will always find it hard when Eleven's not near him so it'll be very interesting to see him at the beginning of the season when he's still in Hawkins you know how he's you know how he's doing and then when he finally gets to California uh you know to see you know are they you know, if they're broken or not, or if this long distance relationship thing has really, uh, you know, been able to withstand the test of time. So you have any thoughts on that or? Yeah, I'm curious about that too. I think, I, I think Eleven and Mike will be okay. Cause you know, we see them writing love letters back and forth in the trailer. And, mm -hmm. and when I rewatched the end of season three, you know, he, he was talking about, okay, make sure you keep your walkie on you. Cause you know, I'm going to call you so much on Cerebro. It's going to annoy you. You're going to turn it yeah. off. And they're making plans for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, you know, and he makes a point to be like, yeah, Will can come too and I'll be there. And, you know, so we really see them. I think they have this very strong connection. Mm -hmm. And something I really like about Mike as a character is that, you know, when they find Eleven, um, I think he has a good heart. And he, you know, rightly so, Lucas and Dustin, when they realize something is up, they want to talk to, they want to go to his mom. Right, mm -hmm. which I mean makes sense, you know, like this kid shows up with telekinetic abilities, <laughs> you find her in the woods, Will is missing, you know, that's a logical thing to do. Yeah. But Mike's um, you know, in gut instinct there is I'm gonna hide this kid in my basement, I'm gonna protect her, we're not telling my mom. And I can also see, you know, Mike's point of view, you know, he sees another kid that needs help, and his his instinct is is to protect. And I think that's something that him and Nancy really have in common. I mean, she's someone who really, she fights for Barb. She fights to get justice for her. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are people that are very loyal and they fight and they do what they can to protect the people they love. Um, so, you know, and I think that's a great quality that Mike has. You know, his instinct is to, you know, just because something is weird, doesn't make it bad, um, you know, to, to protect um into care uh so I, I think they will be okay i am also interested to see kind of how that long distance relationship is going i've been in long distance relationships before um ultimately my long distance relationship did not work out but there were other issues there so i wouldn't say that was the only thing um i know other people it has worked out for like i have um a roommate of mine who's been in a long distance relationship for like eight nine years now um so it definitely can work out uh, I'm also interested to see where Nancy and, and uh, Jonathan are at, because something I realized when rewatching them in season three is that, like, you know, we hear and we see Mike and, and Elle 
making plans, but we don't see Nancy and Jonathan making plans. Right. And something I realized the other day is like, well, I'm like, well, if like I assumed originally, because in the original trailers and stuff, we didn't see, we didn't really see much of Nancy. So I assumed she'd either gone with Mike to California or she was coming a couple of days later, like, oh, maybe she got caught up with something. Uh, <laughs> like she probably has a, you know, a job, you know, maybe she had to stay a couple of days or something or whatever. Um, but then with the new stuff we've gotten, it seems like she's in Hawkins and Mike went alone to California. And I'm kind of hoping she just got kind of caught up with something there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to know what's going on there because even just as a, from a safety perspective, like we know that the wheelers care about their children, right? So even just like from their mom's perspective of safety, uh, like Mike's best friend went missing. They held a funeral for him. He reappeared. Um, Barb went missing for a year, then turned up dead. Uh-huh. And you send your kid across the country. Alone. Uh, alone without his sister even though his sister is dating his older brother like you you know where i'm going with this yeah um just from a safety perspective um um that just seems fishy to me yeah so i but then again there's no indication that like nancy and jonathan were you know they were good they were in, in a good place when he moved out of hawkins so there's no indication they've broken up there's no indication anything's wrong there i don't think anything's wrong there um, but there's clearly something we're not that we're not seeing, you know, like that, like, yeah. like something has something has caused Nancy to, um, you know, to remain in Hawkins. Because um, I'm hoping they're going to clarify this too, because we see, because like at the end of season three, you know, uh, Mike's talking about he says he's going to be there for Thanksgiving, and that um, Elle and Will can come for Christmas. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, but where are where are Jonathan and, and Joyce during this time? Are these are they going alone? <laughs> They're gonna send them back alone. Why wouldn't they come with them? Uh-huh. These are their friends. They're they, that's his girlfriend. Like, why would they not go with them? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that was just an oversight in terms of the writing or just for timing, mm-hmm. or if there actually is something wrong there. Uh so I, I just like some clarity on the situation. This is where I'm at. Um, and I'm also I'm also curious because, you know, in the official trailer that we got, I kind of had that moment there where we have that Steve and Nancy scene where they're like, see you on the other side. Yeah. Well, I had that moment where I'm like, is this just kind of a, because I feel like you take it two ways. I'm like, is something brewing here with, you know, he's, you know, Steve's a part of the team now. He's helping them. Because, you know, I felt like before, um, you know, Nancy and Jonathan make a better team, right? Mm-hmm. Nancy's like, I've got a plan. Jonathan's like, I'll drive. Whereas Steve was kind of always out of the loop. But now that he's in the loop, you know, was that kind of uh, maybe they're getting back together kind of? Is there something brewing? Or on the other hand, it could be, um, you know, we were together, stuff happened, but now enough time has passed that we're be like, you know, we, we've dealt with the heartbreak, mm-hmm. but now we can be good friends. Um, because that's also possible. I mean, they've been through a lot of really horrible stuff. Like, is it just enough time has passed that, you know, um, that they can be in a good place now? Um, so I felt like it could be either or. So I'm, I'm also really, really curious about that. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, since season three until now, I mean, I'm, I, got, I do kind of think that Jonathan and Nancy are a little bit more fractured 
because they did, I mean, Mike and Eleven broke up in season three as well, but uh, Jonathan and Nancy, it was a little bit of a different sort of breakup with them because it was because they were like, we don't understand uh, each other anymore, you know? But I don't know, I think, I think that maybe, you know, Nancy maybe had planned to go visit Jonathan during spring break, but then I think maybe all the bad stuff with the upside down starts happening in Hawkins and you know Nancy, she can't, she can't resist a good, uh, you know, investigative journalist moment. Uh, I mean, there could be more to it than that, but that's just, as of now, that's what my little theory is on uh, Jonathan and Nancy. Hmm. Yeah, I, I could see that too. Like that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Like I should state that. I'm, I'm hoping that it's okay. Something happens that like takes precedent, you know, mm-hmm. over them going to visit rather than some random like artificial drama. Cause that's one of my big pet peeves. I'm sorry, my phone made a loud noise. Um, <laughs> uh, that's one of my big pet peeves when like you come back to a season Mm-hmm. And you find out there's been like off-camera artificial drama you never saw, or these characters broke up, or this happened. I I absolutely hate that. Yeah. So um, and they they've never really done that before, so I don't think they will. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm hoping that it's you know some kind of uh, you know something kind of takes precedent. The other thing I'd really love to see this season, which I think because I binge watch and kind of watch stuff back to back. Um, something I'd love to see this season is I'd love for Steve, Nancy, and Jonathan before the buyers go back to California, like at the end of the week, because it's spring break. I'd love to see them sit down and actually have a real talk because mm-hmm. every single time, and it's mostly Steve, I just shout out to Steve and him being the bigger person here. Every time Steve tries to initiate a conversation about, you know, him trying to apologize, the fact that Nancy and Jonathan slept together, the spray mm-hmm. paint the camera incident, like all that stuff that happens, the Halloween party, all that stuff, every time, or he comes up to a podcast, like anytime he tries to start that conversation or they try to have that conversation, um, something happens, you know, like something supernatural happens that takes mm-hmm. precedence. And so we've never really seen them sit down and just have a conversation about that, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it always gets swept under the rug because, you know, I mean, something just took out, like, you know, something just took out the mall. We just watched somebody die, blah, blah, blah. That kind of takes precedent over your relationship issues, you know? Yeah. Um, and I also think because Steve was so heartbroken, it was just easier not to talk about it. But I'd love to see them, like, you talk about them getting older. I'd really love to see that happen uh this season so I, I i'd love i'd love for that to happen yeah yeah so you uh you mentioned will you want to talk a little bit about him before we uh move on yes oh okay my gosh. um i love will as a character uh i think he's great uh i love how over dramatic he is oh <laughs> yeah and i one thing i'm also really hoping they're going to address which so having read robin's backstory one thing i think is missing and being addressed in the show because they've addressed I feel like everything else about the 80s that's mm-hmm. really key to that time period but there's no mention in the show not even in passing uh, about the epidemic mm-hmm. and that's something I feel like they need to address at some point because I mean it was the biggest health crisis of the 80s and 90s especially yeah. now that we're in COVID it's getting talked about so much 
Um, and the Robin's backstory book really, really goes into that, I think, in a really great way mm-hmm. about it describes how she, um, you know, how every time the, you know, the CDC briefings come on TV, you know, she feels like the, the her, you know, her stomach has dropped out and the floor about her gave way. And then that feeling. And one thing I'm really hoping for this season is I really hope that they're finally going to address Will's sexuality like head on on screen because it's been, you know, they've kind of talked around it. Other kids have made comments. We had Mm -hmm. that heartbreaking scene in season three where Mike was like, it's not my fault you don't like girls, you know? And well, not liking girls doesn't necessarily mean that someone is gay. I, that's kind of the impression I've gotten from, Mm -hmm. from Will. Um, and I'd also like, I'd love to see him explore, you know, come to terms with that. I've also kind of wondered if maybe it's, uh, well, he knows he doesn't like girls, but he moves to California and, you know, new place for the first time, new people realizes that, oh, um, th- th- that he does like boys kind of a thing. Um, also, I have this cute little headcanon in my head because we see that um, we see Mike and Eleven writing each other love letters, but we know that uh-huh. she doesn't have a very large vocabulary. I have this headcanon where like, when she doesn't understand a word, she writes it down and brings it to Will uh-huh. and asks him to explain what it means. And that like, through her doing that, he comes to realize that like, he feels that way about like a kid at school or something, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. I'd love to see something like that and, and that being explored. Um, Cause I think they have an opportunity there to explore it. And rather than it being like, oh, like this is a bad thing. I could see it being like, his friends and family being supportive, but being scared for him because unlike Robin, like we know he's an artist, he's probably gonna go to art college, you know, any decent art college is gonna be in a big city. The biggest ones are LA and New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jonathan wants to go to NYU, so that probably puts him in LA or somewhere like that. Um, Those are cities with large gay populations. If he does turn out to be canonically gay, that puts him at a massive risk for uh, getting HIV and AIDS. And so I I think a storyline in which it's like, you know, we support you because it's not exactly, it's kind of an open secret, I feel like, mm-hmm. but we're scared for you, that realization of like, oh my gosh, like, is Will going to get sick again? Like, is Will going to almost die again? Like, are we going yeah. to live again? Like, especially how worried Joyce is. I think there's a really, there's a good opportunity there for them to really explore that in like a very nuanced way um, that I think would be, I mean, this wouldn't have been originally planned, but would be, be particularly relevant in the age of COVID, you know, like that's a lot of those same things are things that people are, are struggling with now. So yeah, I think there's just a great opportunity there and I'd really, really love to see them address that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would just like to see them address it just so, you know, just so we can get clarity on it. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of these people that unless, unless, that contributes to the plot um you know I don't you know hate it or don't like it I mean it doesn't really matter to me uh like with Robin I mean when she came out I mean I didn't it didn't really change the way I felt about Robin because I still like her as a character she's a good character and I I really can't wait to see her in season four but yeah I mean it's just one of those things where uh I mean, I would just like to know because I'm curious because, you know, that was a scene in season three where I was like, hmm, is it just because, you know, something tragic happened in his earlier life 
or does he really, you know, like, you know, guys? I mean, it's just that's that's what I would, you know, want to get out of it in, in this season. Yeah, because I, I agree. I feel like it's it's that thing where it's kind of like, okay, well, is he not like is he not maturing at the same rate as everybody else because he had his childhood stolen because of what happened in the upside down? Mm-hmm. Is that it? Is that all it is? Or is there more to it? You know, is it that he actually likes boys? Like, is that, um, it could, I mean, it could be both, you know, and I, I think just psychologically, there's an interesting exploration that could happen there. You know, it'd be nice to get clarity. And I just feel like there's so much um, in, in terms of like an interesting storyline for Will, I just feel like there's so much they could explore there that's only kind of been hinted at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd really like to uh, I see that addressed and, I agree. I feel like it should, if you're going to have a character come out, I feel like it should service the story. Like they shouldn't just be like, you know, I mean, like it, it should serve some kind of purpose w- within the story. I agree. Yeah. Um, to kind of move something forward or, or add to our understanding of that character. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really hoping that they're, they're going to address that in, in the new season. Yeah. So, uh, I know you you said that you know you weren't really one for horror I'm not really either but uh I like psychological thrillers and and things like that so I just I wanted to get your your quick thoughts on Vecna the new monster and and who you think he could be um how do you think he ended up in the upside down and uh you talk a little about uh the lab like from Eleven's past, uh, could you uh, share some thoughts on on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm I like that as a villain so far. Like what we saw in the trailer, like it looks mm-hmm. creepy, but it, to me, it looks more like Vector's going to appear on screen. And it's going to be like an oh shit moment rather than like a jump scare. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I do feel like there will be maybe some jump scares with the like the initial um, like the Demogorgon uh, mm-hmm. in the Russia plot. Um, but I'm uh, like, cause we kind of know that's coming. I think I'm a little bit okay with that. Uh, I'd rather have a villain that's just kind of, that's there. It isn't like, boom, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, who do I think that is? Um, I've seen the theory, I'm sure you have too, that he's Billy or he's like Billy's reanimated corpse or something. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, th- I think could be interesting. Um, I've also kind of wondered adjacent to that theory, if like, since we know the mind flayer like took melted people, Mm-hmm. If like the bodies of people that have been lost in the upside down or like through what's happened with the mindset and everything, like if, you know, if they're like their corpses, their bodies could be, you know, part of Vecna or being used for something mm-hmm. or something creepy, like, you know, they're in the final showdown and like the reanimated corpses are used as like weapons or like soldiers. Cause like, that would also be difficult for the characters. Like, you know, how do you shoot at something that was your friend? You know, how mm-hmm. do you, you know, I could see them doing because that kind of a thing. Um, how do I think he wound up in the upside down? I kind of figured he was part of the upside down, like something from that. Um, but we've now established there are different portals, right? Like there are different other, like, I don't know if the upside down is one of those worlds or if everything is the upside down. There are different parts of the upside down. Uh, is our world one of those portals? Uh, remains to be seen. Um, I mean, I feel like he could either be part of that. It could be an experiment gone wrong. He could be a, 
you know, maybe like a creature from one of those worlds. I mean, although if he is strictly part, I feel like he's got to be from a different part of the Upside Down or a different portal space or something, because I feel like if he was part of the Upside Down we've seen so far, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I'd like, why would he have not come out? Kind of like a better. Why, why would they have not come out by now, mm-hmm. you know? Especially also the Demobats. I want to know how, like, why are the Demobats suddenly existing? Like, did yeah. something off their existence? Like, we're we're missing something there. Uh, so yeah, I'm 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 excited. It looks interesting. And the thing I thought was really cool about Vecna is I I'm sure you saw this, but the the trailer breakdown the Duffers did, mm-hmm. where they said that, um, you know, one of their big takeaways with season three was that like the actors were having to act to a tennis ball yeah with the cgi and so they did they got the um i can't remember the, the guy from that that other movie to do the special effects so that most mm-hmm. of what you see is is there in person and i'm like okay that's gonna be cool like i'm gonna be interested to see if you can see a difference in the acting in terms of i yeah. mean i i didn't know i mean if you i mean i assumed that was cgi i mean obviously they don't have a giant monster walking <laughs> around so like I, I didn't feel like they weren't reacting properly. Like at no point did I not believe them, mm-hmm. but I feel like maybe that gives a deeper performance, especially for the, the younger actors. I mean, the actors are getting older, but I mean, I feel like the longer you've acted, the easier it is to be like that tennis ball is a demon. Whereas I feel like the yeah. younger you are that's probably more difficult. Um, I don't know there was a big criticism of like the Lord of the Rings films versus something like Star Wars. And since we're talking about sci-fi here and fantasy, um, yeah, so I, and I, I think it's as creepy as it is, I think it's good that the actors have something to react to that's probably going to help them. And yeah, I'm, I, I think Vecna is an interesting villain. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. And what was the other thing you asked me about? Uh, about the lab, like the, oh, yeah. from Elle's flashbacks, like, uh, and her younger, and her youth before yeah. season one. Yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, I'm interested to see how they do that because I saw people point out that it looks like they have a DH11 that since, um, I mean, this is a, a new renovation, but since they know how the technology to like DH actors, um, I mean, we see her so quickly in the trailer. I'm not, I wasn't really sure. I'm like, is that another actor, like a younger actor they have playing her or did they DH her, um, you know, with the technology? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see that. Um, learning more about the lab, like the Duffer said in the, the trailer breakdown, that we're gonna they're gonna address what happened to the other numbers. Because that was a question I had. I think I don't know if we through season one or two or when, like when we were watching, and I was like, wait, I'm like, well, if she's 11 and that other kid is eight, yeah, I think it was after season two. I'm like, what happened to all the other numbers? <laughs> yeah, like where are they? Um, and, and I've seen the theory too that like, um, they're basically like that 11 killed the other numbers by accident. Like there was some kind of like, they pushed her too far and some kind mm-hmm. of like thing, which I think could be plausible. I think that could, I could see that, you know, them pushing her too far. Like we've seen her have psychic tantrums. We've seen, you know, how things can come bursting out of her. So I could see something like that happening. Um, but at the same time, like I know, like I mean, I also think like we need to clarify kind of the timeline there because when we meet Callie in season two, 
she says that one day she she realized that Eleven wasn't there anymore and she escaped. Mm-hmm. And so she somehow made it to, I mean, we know she can like make people not see her. So it was probably easy for her to escape. Um, and she made her way to Chicago. Um, but like Callie's speech patterns are more advanced than Eleven's. And she also speaks with a British accent. The implication seems to be yeah. with that. Yeah from her family were the family on vacation did they go all the way to the uk like how did they kidnap this child um, i know oh and like they could have and the thing is they could have cast any actor to play that kid so you know what i mean that was an intentional choice mm-hmm. and um and the thing is too that like my my kind of impression at least from what we see when when hopper and joy show up to see terry ives and when we meet callie in, in season two, my kind of impression there was that, um, you know, that uh, the other children were kidnapped, you know, and they either showed abilities or showed an aptitude for that. And so they were kidnapped versus, you know, while they were a little bit older, mm-hmm. um, whereas Eleven, you know, her mother was pregnant while in the program that they kidnapped her at birth. And my, I, I didn't realize other people, my, my implication kind of when they were talking to Terry Ives and learning about that stuff, they said she becomes mysteriously pregnant. My implication on that was I thought that like kind of Brenner was her biological father. Like that was kind of my, yeah. okay, that because other people didn't seem, I realized other people didn't think that. And I was like, I thought that was kind of the obvious implication. So did I, so did I the first time okay, I, good, I watched season I was like, two. I was like, oh, this makes sense, you know? That's why yeah. he's so obsessed with Eleven. It's like, cause he knows that she's really his kid, but he, yeah, people out there don't, do not believe that. They yeah, do not. I, cause to me that makes sense because like he, you know, everybody calls him Papa, but you know, he tracks her down. Like we learned that because eight escaped, they could have gone after eight. There's no, there's no indication they went after oh. her. I mean, I'm sure they did some stuff, but she managed to start over in Chicago and she'd apparently been living there for several years. Found like, you know, she says that she, you know, found found people to take care of her, but she couldn't help them. And then something happened to them. She finds the outcast, like her speech patterns are evolved, mm-hmm. you know, and presumably there must've been other, I, th- I think that one of the, I think one of the um, the companion books, I think there's a couple of the other numbers that do escape. Um, so I'm like, okay, but he's obsessed with 11. So I kind of felt like that was, you know, he's her biological father and, you know, and, and so that because 11 inherited her powers, you know, kind of in the womb, mm-hmm. she's more powerful than the other kids. So like some sort of um, psychic tantrum or break, or if they push her too hard, she could accidentally kill other kids mm-hmm. um and i think seeing flashbacks and seeing her like I, I feel like they could probably address it probably in a very simple way of you know because we know we've got some new new characters of eddie and argyle this season of them just being like well if you're 11 and you're you know and your sister is eight well then what happened to the other numbers and her uh-huh. being like i killed them and then i'll be like what i'm not even sitting on that yeah it was an accident right you didn't mean to kill them like so I'm very curious to see that as creepy as it is I feel like we're going to get more backstory there we're going to understand more about Levin's psychology mm-hmm. um yeah what happened to Lava? what happened to all the other numbers um and I'm also kind of hoping maybe we'll get some kind of background too because we know that like you know Terry Ives never stopped searching for her daughter to the point that they 
basically turned her brain to mush for mm-hmm. trying to get her back. Did the other families ever attempt? Did something happen to them? Did Were they just told that their children had been, like, did they fake bodies for those kids? Is that why they never came? You know, did yeah. Callie's family never come after her because, you know, they faked a body like they did with Will? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, you know, did they think because Terry was in the program and that she was on, you know, she was taking drugs that, like, they didn't need to do that. They underestimated her, you know? Were the other families more able to pass off? Did they take kids that no longer had families? You know, I, I'm just curious to find out more of that backstory. Yeah, yeah. so am I. I, and it's because I do think that uh, it will uh, contribute to the narrative, right? Because there's a reason that. Uh, she's gonna we're gonna see flashbacks to her in the lab and there's a reason there's an episode this season called the the massacre at Hawkins lab I mean I don't think that's just to say well you know these this is just what happened to the other numbers nothing to really see here this is how we only came up with just 11 and and 8 nothing really to see here I, I think there's more more to it than what we have been led to believe for three seasons like I've always I've never really thought that Eleven was evil or or bad but I I always thought that prior to season one uh, there was a lot of things that she was doing that like she was forced to do by the lab and Brenner uh, that were evil acts if, if that makes sense yeah yeah and I could see like once they take her in you know, I could see why she would keep that. Like, first, like, not know, she didn't know how to express herself. You know, she had a limited vocabulary and she could express herself better now, but I could see why she wouldn't, she wouldn't be sharing that information. Like, if people are kind yeah. enough to take you in, you know, um, you don't go, <laughs> I murdered a bunch of other kids. Is not really what you lead with there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <sighs> uh yeah and like also see like if she's probably it might even be hard for her to describe right because I mean you you actually do something with your mind how do you describe that you know yeah uh, it could also be hard for her to ar- articulate um so yeah I definitely think there's always been kind of hints over the seasons of you know that there's more to it that things go deeper than we realize and I saw someone talk about this on Tumblr the other day that I guess some people are upset that like it's going beyond the the kind of the strange things happen in a small town vibe this season. Mm-hmm. And I saw a good post where somebody was saying that like, yeah, like I understand why people feel that way, but it was always about more than just Hawkins. Like we always knew it went deeper. That was always the implication. Um, and I know my, my friend that I watched was a little concerned too, because she was like, I'm excited for season four, but they're changing the format. You know, the format for three seasons has been something weird happens. Will gets a feeling, they investigate. Oh, like Eleven has to be badass. Something uh-huh. happens. They gotta take down whatever it is. People die, you know, and then the whole thing starts over again. Yeah. Um, that's been the, you know, and they all gotta come together. That's been the format for three seasons. And now we're we're going beyond that. Um, and so I I, I do get the concerns, you know. Uh, but at the same time, I think the implication was always that it goes deeper. And I do want them to explore and address that. And um, 
I think too, I mean, I think they did kind of, they are limited to their storytelling if they keep it to just Hawkins, you know? Yeah, and it that would get uh, that would get boring in my opinion. Like you can't just do the same things uh, every season. And and now that we know that season five will be the last season, like they they have to do something to end the story. You know, they can't just have another season with that same pattern like you just meant described. I mean, they they have to, you know, they had to go out so they could all come back in and set up the the ending to the story. Yeah, I mean, the tagline for this season is literally every ending has a beginning. Yeah. And I'm really excited for that. And also, I'm just really excited for, you know, that moment. I think, like, you always have that moment at the end of every season where all the groups come together, you know? Yeah. Um, I think my, one of my favorites is, what do you mean the Russians? Who are you? <laughs> Um, or like Hopper when he goes into the bus in season one, he's like, "Well, come on, let's go." <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, let's go, guys. Come on. Yeah. Or how many times have they had the you like have Joyce and Hopper had to have the you need to tell us what's going on. We can't help you if we don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Trust us. They have this conversation every season, and my friend Amy that I watch with, she she has a good point. She was like, "You know what they need." They need like a secret like mailbox or mm-hmm. like a, or like a little hutch of some kind of something where they can all leave notes so everybody can inform everybody else <laughs> yeah. what's going on. They need like a little secret like letterbox or something because I feel like the plot every season is like, well, if these three groups of people would just talk to each other, <laughs> yeah. the plot would be resolved. Yeah, but um, they don't. But they and don't. I feel like actually separating them does make a bit more sense because like, um, so so somebody was talking about, you know, different theories for the season and, you know, basically, you know, it being like a case of, okay, you know, they're, they, you know, they aren't able to communicate with each other. And my first thought was I'm like, well, why wouldn't they just call each other? And I was like, oh, cause it's nine, this is the 1980s uh-huh. and you can't just pick up your cell phone and be like, on my way to Russia, we're going to Utah. Hey, we're at the Korea. Like, you can't just pick yeah. up the cell phone. So I yeah. can see a legitimate plot point that would, normally I hate those, oh, we couldn't get in touch because they're so unrealistic. But this is the 80s. So I'm like, yeah, that actually would make sense because like if they're, I mean, unless they're at home or they're in walkie-talkie range or they have Cerebo set up, um, they literally can't communicate. Um, yeah. So I could see it being kind of like, what do you like what do you mean this happened well I well I called you well I left you a voice but we haven't been home in three days what do you mean you were in Russia what do you mean like I, and so that that eventual meetup at the end where they all kind of converge in Hawkins for the final battle you know I, I think that has the potential to be a really funny scene but also mm-hmm. a really like poignant scene too because you know if they're out of touch there's a good chance that you know they others might think the others are dead you know, something horrible has happened to them, you know, so I think that has the potential to be really, like, heartbreaking and heartwarming scene at the same time, mm-hmm. and setting up those kinds of reunions and, and converging storylines uh, for the last two seasons, I think, as much as they are changing the format, it does make more sense to be like, okay, well, you were physically separated, so you not being in touch makes more sense in this era of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I love things that kind of emphasize this is only a plot that's possible because this is the 80s like 
um, in what was it? I think season uh, one. Um, I think yeah, well, it's all the seasons. But when they do it, trying to do the 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 sensory deprivation tank, mm-hmm. and they have to call Mister Clark at home because <laughs> yeah. the library is closed. There is no internet. And my friend turned to me. And she's like, "If the series was made today, they would just open up their laptop. <laughs> like, yeah, there would be no show because they would just Google stuff." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. I love any plot that's kind of centered on, well, this is the 80s, so. Yeah. <laughs> this is our only, literally our only option. Yeah. So you, do you have any uh, final uh, thoughts that you'd like to say, uh, share uh, oh. about season four or? Oh, any final thoughts? Um, I'm excited. Um, I hope it's as good as, you know, everyone, you all hoping it will be. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it will be. I think, um, I mean, I-, I have high hopes. And so far, this has been a show that that really, uh, that, re- that, you know, reaches them. Um, as much as I wasn't a fan of the, of the Russians plot in season three, I am very excited for the Russian plot in this season um, because it means that we're getting Hopper back and Joyce and Hopper are going to reunite. Uh-huh. And... I just really want to see them get together, man. Like, more than anything else. Like, they've been dancing around each other for three seasons. Yeah, it's like, just, just do it. I mean, just get together, you know? And I have to say, mostly, to, like, normally in a series like this, you know, I feel like the favorite ship or the favorite, like, the thing that everybody would be focused on would be one of the younger characters. And not that people aren't, but I feel like more than, if, if, Fans can agree on one thing. It's that Joyce and Hopper are meant to be together. And I feel like you're all just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. Um, so, which, which is unusual, you know, because normally, you know, the older actors aren't the ones you, you fans would be like, you know, agreeing on or really focused on. So I think that's something that kind of makes uh, this show unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Winona Ryder is just like, is just so amazing. Like, no. Nope. Yeah, like... <laughs> I really love this show. Uh, I really love that Winona was able to get this opportunity for this show because I remember uh, back in the day when she, you know, had the shoplifting and the drug controversy and just really good to see her, you know, bounce back uh, her career and uh, her as an individual. So, and and she's great as Joyce. She really is. I, I couldn't really imagine anyone else playing Joyce Byers. Or at least doing a, a better job than than what she does. Yeah, I agree. She's had like such a great career resurgence, and mm-hmm. the way my friend phrased it was, "No one does crazy the way Winona Ryder does." Yeah, crazy. and she does I know. such a good job. And I think her and David Harbour just play off each other so well. Yeah, they do. Um, and she's the perfect choice for that role because, I mean, I mean, she was there. You know what I mean? Like she, yeah. she lived you know, this era of time. And so I feel like it's double whammy. It's someone who's a, a great actor who, you know, I, I can't, like you said, no one better to play that role and also can serve as a, you know, as a consultant to be like, you know, for what things will really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always love seeing her interact with, you know, as time has brought caught on and they've brought in other iconic 80s actors, you know? Mm-hmm. I always love seeing her interact with them or having them all in the same show. Yeah um I always think that's kind of a treat um so yeah I just uh, I'm so excited to see those two reunites I also love that Murray is back um 
love him. I'm uh, love to see him and Joyce's interactions. And I'm also hoping that Murray and Erica are going to have more scenes because their scenes <laughs> in season three cracked me up. Yeah. <sighs> like, the scene at the fair where he's like, why is the like three-year-old talking to me or something? And she's like, I'm, I'm like, I'm five hours at whatever age she is. She's like, I'm, I'm this, you bald weirdo. <laughs> like, and yeah. Like, to get I'm just, I'm so excited uh, just to watch the season, even though, I mean, sometimes I have to stop and, and remind myself, you know, it's only one part on May 27th. You got another month to wait for part two, but I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm ready to watch it because they said that not one episode will be under 60 minutes in length. So even if it is, you know, three, four, five episodes in, in part one, it'll still be worth it because it's like five hours worth of, of TV time, you know? And I'm just, well, I mean, at the time of recording this, we still have a little bit of time left, but by the time that everyone hears this episode, it will be like literally around the corner and uh i'm just i'm just so looking forward to it uh you know i've already planned to watch party with some friends and snacks and it's just i think we're gonna we're gonna have a, a really good time and also because uh ham radio we also make uh stranger things edits the edits that are going to come out of this season are just going to be like unthink unlike anything that uh anybody in, in this community is is made yet so i'm i'm really looking forward to uh to to that yeah me too and i already know that like we i already know part one is going to end with a cliffhanger and mm -hmm. i'm going to be screaming at my television <laughs> like, oh no because <laughs> when we first started watching i was i we watched like the first episode of my friend's house and then i watched i think another episode at my place and and I, I told her I was still watching it. She's like, hey, like I'm I'm cool if you wanna like I'm fine to rewatch it. Like I'm I'm happy to rewatch this show. Mm -hmm. It's been so long since I've seen it. And so we started re like watching together and we were up till God knows what hour because we got to the point where Nancy went into the tree. And I'm like, why would you go into the tree? Get out of the yeah. tree. Yeah. What are you? And I was sitting there being like, I we, we I need to go to bed. You and I need to go to bed. But like she went in, I gotta find out what happens. Yeah. So like that was how we watched this like week after week. Um, so I already know I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be so I'm gonna, the the cliffhanger is gonna happen. I'm gonna be like what? No what what? So I'm I'm really excited as well, and uh, I agree. I think the edits this season are gonna be amazing. Uh huh. And I'm super excited. And I haven't planned anything official, but I'm I'm thinking that I know I have another friend that watches the show as well and. Uh, probably invite some friends over, you know, snacks, watch party, all that. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Jasmine, uh, thank you so much for joining me today to talk Strange Things 4. You brought a lot of good things to the table, especially, you know, from a, your marketing perspective. I really, uh, really like that. And, you know, just love to talk about the, you know, the non-sci-fi parts of the show. And I uh, think, think everyone will really uh, enjoy that so uh, before we go uh, would you like to let everyone know where you, they can find your podcast and and uh, where to follow you and all that good stuff yes absolutely and thank you so much for having me uh, I loved being on the show 
and and then you're welcome back anytime anytime you want like after the season or whatever you know anytime (laughs) well thank you um yeah so uh, my podcast is dance uh is dance it out a Grey's anatomy podcast uh you can find us anywhere um you get ham radio uh you can also find us on uh twitter and instagram um so on instagram um our handle is at dance it out Grey's anatomy and on twitter uh we're at at dance it out pod okay so uh Thank you again for joining us and we'll see everyone on the podcast uh, back for another special episode next week. Over and out guys. Bye. Bye.